October 3rd, 2022, we're in Masechet San if you count from the bottom of the page up, it's 11 lines up, just a few words before the end of the line, the Gemara is continuing to be Doresh, the Pesukim, with regards to Dor HaMabul, to Tevat Noah. Pasuk says, Pasuk says that they left according to, or clustered in, families. Amar Biyohanan, the Dirashav Rabbi Yohanan is that they left and families not all together, which in turn explains Rashi, means that when they were on the Teba as well, they weren't all eating from the same troughs, they weren't all in the same area, they had separate quarters for different animals, different species. Of course, the human beings were separated as well, but it means anything and everything on the Teba had its own compartment and its own quarters. Amar Rav, the Gemara will find a certain significance in that in a moment. Amar Rav Hana Barbizna, Amar Le Eliezer, Leshem Rabba. Rav Hana Barbizna imagines or remembers that uh, Shem Rabbah, that's a reference to the son of Noah, Shem, the great one, um, uh, was, uh, he uh, is spoken to by Eliezer, Eliezer, the uh, slave, the uh, servant of Abraham. Uh, so what's the question? What's the issue that was addressed on that occasion? Ketib Atun hechan havitun. The question that Eliezer asked the Shem ben Noah, Shem Rabbah, the great Shem was, well, if the Pasuk describes, if our tradition tells us, says Eliezer to Shem ben Noah, that there were separate quarters for each one of the species and animals, you, Atun, the family of Noah, his children, Shem, you yourself, where were you? Hechan havitun. In other words, what were you guys busy doing? Everything had its own quarters, its own um, location. Amar le responded, Shem ben Noach, Shem rabate Eliezer, Sa'ar gadol hayalanu bateba. You should know it was a very painful experience for us on the Teba. And many of us know this from Perush Rashi al HaTorah. The Pasuk describes, by Sha'er Noah Levado Bateba, he was alone remaining. He was waiting for the command from God to get off. But Rashi describes from the Midrash, along the lines of this Gemara, Noah was not having an easy time. Don't for a moment think that Noah was stuck on the Teba because it was an easy life. Noah was very much engaged in a constant 24 hours, seven days a week, care for the creatures on the Teba. The Gemara will describe that, but before it does, let me just tell you, at least in my mind, the significance of that. If we're looking for a tikkun, if we're looking for a way of rectifying and setting straight what had gone wrong, first and foremost, that everything is crossbreeding. Already the reference of of everything having its own quarters is already a certain separation, setting that straight. Secondly, if it was Maleaha Aretz Hamas, if the land was filled with thievery of interpersonal corruption, while well, the description of Noah being singularly dedicated to helping others, be it creatures or human beings, well, that's the tikkun as well. Lastly, with regards to Noah, the Chachamim have a machloket, but generally speaking, we imagine Noah as not necessarily being a person who calls out to the people of his generation. Certainly the Pesukim don't describe that. They describe him as the paradigmatic listener. He knows how to listen to God. He doesn't so, so much know how to turn to the others. 
That's a tikkun, a personal tikkun for Noah, the fact that he has to care for throughout, these, uh, throughout this year for the many animals on a constant basis on the teba, which means to say that the, the description of the hachamim in this context is very telling about how we're supposed to, at least in my understanding, understand the teba as being a way of fixing what had gone wrong, not just being a lone remnant, but rather being a tikkun in the real sense. Says the Gemara, Amale says Shem, Shem to Eliezer, Sa'ar gadol hayalano bateva, berya, creatures, shedarka, or a creature, shedarka l'ha'achila, bayom, he'echalnuha bayom. The animals, the creatures that eat during the daytime, well, we had to feed them during the daytime. Shedarka l'ha'achila balayla, Alternatively, in contrast, those who eat at night, we had to feed them at night. We had constant shifts going on with regards to feeding the animals. For example, continued Shim in this story, There was a creature known as a Zakita. Uh, to my, the best of my understanding, based on contextual clues in the Gemara, some sort of lizard. So I didn't know what to feed it. My father was unaware. He had never really uh, been able to look at this creature beforehand. He didn't fully understand the right way and right things to feed it. Yomahad, instead of feeding it and having the right food for it, he had to observe. He had to be sensitive. He had to have a caring eye. One day, rimona. my father was uh, was sitting, and uh, as he was sitting, he was cutting a rimon. A rimon, of course, being a pomegranate. Pale, Rashi explains from Gemara elsewhere, means he was cutting it. mina. A worm fell out of this rimon, of this pomegranate that my father was cutting. Achala, and the zakita, this creature, uh, spra- I guess sprang forth and ate it. Noah understood understand to what extent the hachamim are portraying the caring eye, the sensitive uh, being of Noah. He has to be paying attention not only to the feeding times, he's not just a, a zoo tender, he's also a carer. He has to pay attention, he has to be able to uh, cultivate them to the best of his ability. Mikan ve'elach, from that time and onward, says the Gemara in the name of Shem, havagavil la hizra, he would uh, he would take bran and he would uh, gavil means to he would make it moist and he would uh, fill it I guess with a certain water and bring forth kimitla when it would become wormy achala he would uh, feed this zakita with that because he understood the zakita is interested in worms says the Gemara further and describing what Noah was doing in the name of his son Shem Arya uh, the uh, lion. Ishata zinte, in a strange description, says that the fire, the inner fire of the lion, because of its hunger, we'll understand in a moment from the Gemara, that's what sustained it at points. What does that mean? De Amar Rav, after all, the statement of Rav is, La basir mishita velatafe miteresar zina ishata. Zina ishata. Said Rav, no less than six, we'll define that word in a second, no more than 12 can the inner burning and fire of hunger 
sustain a, a person or an individual. Uh, what's the six and twelve? Rashi says it means days. It means if a person's starving, that burning starvation inside will give you no less than six days uh, continued uh, nourishment and no, uh, and no more than twelve. Uh, Yad Rama, I saw this morning uh, questions, uh, Rashi says, what are you talking about? We're talking about the lion over the course of twelve months on the Teba. Twelve days isn't going to be sufficient to sustain and to nourish it. Perhaps the reference Rashid does quote that in his Perush, says it's La Nahira, he doesn't like that interpretation. But maybe that's an alternative interpretation. You have up to six months, I guess it means not a full starvation, you can't fully be starved, not us, not animals, and up until twelve months, no less than six, no more than twelve. Says the Gemara, Orshina Ashkahina Abba Degane Besafana de Tebuta. Orshina is some sort of bird, we'll understand. Uh, it almost sounds like a phoenix, because the Gemara is going to describe it having almost an eternal, Rashi will write, it has an eternal life. Of course, we know there's no such thing as a phoenix, and there's no such thing as eternal life. Uh, Yad Rama instead suggests it means an, a bird that has a very long life, and maybe that's even what Rashi meant. Rashi didn't mean eternal. He meant a very long life. But anyway, there's this bird which is found on the Teba before it has this long life. It's Gane, it's sleeping, Safana de Tebuta, Safana, it's quarter on the Teva, on, on the Ark. Amar says Shem, says Noah to this bird, Laba'it Mizone, don't you need food? Amar I guess it's a talking bird, Hazitich, or maybe they're able to understand it, Hazitich Tahavat Tarida, I noticed you, Noah, you, Shem, you're very tarid, you're very busy. Amina, I said, I don't want to uh, bother you. I don't want to give you more pain, more sorrow. As a result, I kept to myself and I'm able to sustain myself. That's why I didn't uh, cry out for food. That's why I haven't been bugging you. I've just been sleeping in my quarter. Amar envisions the Gemara, remembers this, uh, this, uh, this occurrence. It should be the will of heaven that you shouldn't die. Shene Imar. As the Pasuk describes, my life, my days should be long like the hull. Rashi explains hull, and in Aramaic, the way the Gemara is referring to this as orashina, are an identical bird. It's the same species of fowl, and I guess it has a very long life. In turn, the description of this Pasuk in Iov, I should have that long life like the hull is identical to this animal, this bird that we're describing. Amar of Hanabal Levi, Amar Shem Rabale Eliezer. Instead of Eliezer approaching Shem, the son of Noah, in this next midrash, it's uh, it's Eli it's it's uh, excuse me. Instead of Eliezer approaching Shem, this time it's Shem approaching Eliezer. He says to him, Ki atu alaihu when they came upon you, Malchem Israhu Ma'arav, the kings the legions of the East and the West, of course, in the war that Abraham fought. So Shem now, whereas initially Eliezer was, uh, was overwhelmed by the experience of Shem and of Noah, now it's, uh, now it's Shem being overwhelmed by the experience of Eliezer and Abraham. When those kings were attacking you, Atun hechi avaditu, how did you, meaning you and Abraham and the people together with you, what'd you do? How'd you defend yourselves? It doesn't sound human uh, to, to be a part of the human capacity, which effectively is what Eliezer was asking Shem just a moment ago. Amale answers Eliezer, ayete hakadosh 
ברכו לאברהם, הקדוש ברוך הוא took אברהם ועוטבה ממינה, and he placed him on his right side, meaning הקדוש ברוך הוא was sustaining, was defending אברהם in a direct fashion. How so? והבא שדינן עפרה, אברהם and his people would throw dust, would throw dirt, והבו הרבה. And the dirt, the dust, would turn into swords as they were fighting. Gile, they'd throw hay. Vehave gire, and it would turn into arrows. Now, is the Gemara telling these stories as literal uh, descriptions? Very possibly. Alternatively, it's describing more than anything miraculous defeats. That's what it was. Abraham had the aid of, the, of heaven, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, directly involved. If the specific details, we'll see a story in just a moment, seems to take these details very literally, but even if they're not, the message is quite clear. It means it was a miraculous victory. That's what the Hachamim are describing. Don't think for a moment that Abraham had a, a natural defeat, a natural win in that war against the kings in uh, Sefer Bereshit. Shine Emar, it's Doresh Pasuk, which seems to describe this, at least if you read in the, in the, through the lenses of the Hachamim over here, Le'david Mizmor, Ne'um Adonai, Ladoni, First and foremost, the Pasuk mentions, uh, I'm sitting, I was, I was seated to the right of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Until I handle your, your enemies. And then the Pasuk describes um, separately in Sefer Yeshaya, the Pasuk describes, So it's a reference to the one from the east we're referring to. Abraham, Yikrael Leraglo, Yitena Fanav Goyim Lachim, Yard, Yiten Keafar Harbo. And, and we're reading that in turn as the uh, dirt became swords, as we mentioned earlier. Kekash Nidav Kashto, and the hay, the straw, turned into uh, turned into arrows. That's the derashah of the hachamim over here. Says the Gemara, don't suffice with just a story about Abraham. Let's bring this closer to our times. Nahum ish gamzu. There was an individual uh, some time ago, in time of the Gemara. His name was Nahum ish gamzu. And we'll see in just a moment, oftentimes it appears as if he would say, gamzu letoba. He would have a margela befume, the pearl on his, in his mouth. The uh, repeated expression that he would have in life is being able to see the positive side and potential to anything that befell him or the world, even if it appeared to be objectively terrible. He would say, gamzu letoba. He had that keen eye, broad sensibility. Havaragil salikale. He would be regular than anything that happened that rose up on him. Salik means to come up. Amar, he would express... Gamzu letoba. This as well is good. Yom Ahad. One day, Ba'u Yisrael leshadure doron lakesar. Am Yisrael needed to send a present to the Caesar. It sounds like it was a time of despair, a difficult time, perhaps time of persecution or of danger. They needed to, in some way, bribe the Caesar of their period uh, with a present. Amre behademan. Neshader, who should, uh, to, in, together with whom should we send this present? Neshader, Bahadin, Nahum Ishgamzu, we certainly should send it with Nahum Ishgamzu. Why, why so? Demelumad Benisimhu. 
because he is, he's knowledgeable with uh, miracles, which means to say, seemingly, miracles transpire when you're in the context and the presence of Nahum Ish Gamzu. His perspective, his way of life brings mir- miracles upon him. The Aharonim uh, liken this to the Gemara Masechim Me'ilan Daf which mentions that Bishimon ben Yochai was sent during the time of persecution and difficulty to the monarchy because he was Milumad ben Isim, means during times of na- danger, we'd rather the miracles makers, the miracle uh, performers be the ones who represent us because they'll have some way of squeezing through this as we'll see the Gemara will have with Nahum Ishgamzu. Kimata lehahu diyora on his way to the Caesar, Nahum Ishgamzu stopped at a diyora, milashon dira. He was stopping at a, an inn, a motel or something like that on the way. Ba'a lemevat amrele, he wanted to rest. Amrele, they said to him, the people who owned the home, owned the inn, motel, whatever it was. What is it that you have with you? In other words, what's that package? That was the present that he had for the Caesar. He said to them, very honestly, without fearing anything, I'm bringing karga, in the of the Gemara is always taxes. I'm bringing the taxes that we owe to the Caesar. They, they rose up in the nighttime, Sounds like without the knowledge of Nahumish Gamzu. Sharinu Lisifte, they opened up the knots, the ties, Rashi explains, on the package that he had in his possession. Veshaklu, and they took Koldahavagabe, everything that was inside of that package, Umalinhu Afara, and in place of whatever it was, maybe it was gold coins, maybe it was silver, maybe it was something precious, they placed in its stead. Dirt. It appears as if Nahum Ishgamzu is unaware that this took place because he moves onward with this dirt in his package for the Caesar, when he arrives there, meaning at the place of the Caesar, Afra. It's found, of course, that instead of having anything precious, instead of being a true present, it's just dirt inside of the package. Amar says the Caesar, the Jews, the Yehudim, are ahuche kamehayeche. They're laughing at me. They're making me into a, um, a mockery. They're making a mockery out of me. They're not interested in giving me something. They're interested in making fun of me. Abkuhu lemiktele. They take out. I guess the people of the Caesar take out Nahum Ishgamzu lemiktele. Katal means to cut off. Means to kill. They're ready to kill Nahum Ishgamzu. Amar in that moment, in a almost uh, imperceptible. In an almost unfathomable way and fashion, Nahumish Gamzu is able to accept that moment as Gamzu Litoba. Somehow this will turn out or is in the current moment positive. It's Toba, it's complete. Hata Eliyahu, Eliyahu Anavi arrives, lehu kehad minayu, and he looks like he has the appearance of one of the people, had one minayu of them. Amar lehu, he says to the people surrounding Nahumi Ishgamzu as they're about to kill him, Hai Afra, maybe this dirt, maybe it's like the dirt of Abraham Abinu. That's what the Jews were bringing. They're not making fun of you, Sir Caesar. They're rather bringing you something special. Maybe uh, this Nahumish Gamzu didn't have the ability, the opportunity to explain himself, but you should know this dirt must be special. 
shadeh afra, that when you throw the, the dirt, havu it turns into swords. Gileh, when you throw the uh, straw, when you throw the hay, havu gireh, turns into um, arrows. Baduk, they check out the dirt, I guess they throw it in the air, they throw it at someone. Ve'ashkahu hache, and indeed they find it is so. Uh, needless to say, now Nahumish Gamzu, uh, being uh, wrongfully accused, is going to be rewarded. Says the Gemara Hava Mahoza de la Havu Kayachle Le. There was a Mahoza, there was a region uh, which the Caesar had not been able to defeat. He was trying to conquer it, he wasn't able to fight it. To conquer it, they weren't able to conquer it in the past. Uh, but now they had a newfound, uh, um, uh, what's it called, a weapon. They know how to fight against them. Shadumau Afra, they approached, they attacked that region and they throw from that dirt at it onto it and they conquer it they bring into the uh, storehouse the, of treasures of the king they said to him in the treasury take everything that is pleasant to you be rewarded for uh, giving us this portion this region we've been trying to conquer for your goodwill to the Caesar Malie le Sifta Dahaba, he fills his package with gold. Kihadar Ata, when he's on his way back, Amrule Hanach Dayore, he stops at the same inn, at the same motel, the same lodging, and they say to him, Mai Amtit Lebe Malka, they're laughing at him, of course, internally, and they say to him, So what is it exactly that you brought to the uh, household of the king? In other words, to the Caesar. Amar Lehu, he says to them, that which I took from here, that's what I brought to there. I didn't, nothing changed. Whatever I brought in the package that I left your, your uh, abode with, uh, that's what I entered into the Caesar's palace with. So they figure, oh, uh, something special about this dirt. They take the dirt, they bring it to there, to the Caesar, but instead of it turning into swords, it stays, it maintains uh, its status as dirt. They are determined to be laughing at the king and they are killed. What's the upshot? What's the lesson of this miraculous story to us? Very simply, as I understand it, the Gamzu Litoba perspective. Not to say, per se, that we are to expect or to uh, envision a life of mar- miracles, but to be inspired by the steadfast commitment, the bitachon that Nahumish Gamzu has, even when all the cards are stacked against him, even in situations which seem as if there's no, uh, there's no chance, even when it's, like the Gemara said earlier in our Masechet, even if there's a very um, uh, a sharp um, knife on your, on your neck, uh, you should not be you shouldn't turn away from a connection, from a turning to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You should be able to have a breadth of vision and perspective in life, to be able to say that even though something seems terrible now, both with the combination of my, uh, my turning to God as well as the larger picture of God's plan over here, we can and will see something positive that will come out of this. The Mishnah continued, if you recall, though. It didn't only talk about Dor HaMabul, it talked about Dor HaPalaga. Dor HaPalaga is described in Perek Yod Aleph of Bereshit. That's what we call the Migdal Bavil episode. So it said the Mishnah, Dor HaPalaga, Enaim Helek La'olam Haba. Those individuals, if you remember the circumstance, it's after the 
Mabul, they construct a city, they have this will of putting a tower in the middle of it, they go to Eretz Shin'ar, which we now know as Bavil, the Torah describes it as that, they find a valley and they begin building. The Torah is not particular and specific as to what they wanted to do that was wrong, but God is very unhappy. He changes their languages and in turn disperses them. Says the Gemara, Avud, what were they doing? Again, it's a mystery as to why they were building this tower and this city. Amre Dever Bishila, Dever Bishila suggested what they were saying to one another was, Nivne let's build and construct a tower. Vena'ale Larakia, will rise up to the heavens. Vena'keoto, Bekardomot, Kedeshi Azuvu Memav and will hit it with gardening utensils so that the water will spill out, will crack the upper uh, chamber of water and bring forth the water. Why do they want that water? Either they're saying, we can play the role of God, we'll bring the water on our own, we don't need to turn to God. After all, if you remember the Gemara a bit ago, the Gemara described how the Dor Hamabu, we saw just a daf ago, were un- they weren't nervous about this threat of a Mabu because they said, we have our water that will nurture and sustain us and we can block it, we can handle all this. So now it's in effect, if that's the vision, saying we can play God. Alternatively, we don't want another mabul. Let's rid the heavens of its water by cracking it open and letting it all come forth. Says the Gemara, but that can't be what their intention was. They laughed at that interpretation. Again, we're wondering, we're questioning, what were Dor HaPalaga interested in? Why are you constructing a city with a tower in the middle of it um, in, or inside of it in order, to, in order to get what? We want to get up to the heavens for what? In Ken, if their vision, if their will was to get up to the heavens, to crack them open, Tura means a mountain, build the tower on a mountain. They're building the city in a, a valley, the Torah tells us. You don't go into a valley if your vision is to get upward. You should go onto a mountain and you'll be closer to upward. As a result, the Gemara suggests it was a little bit more complicated than that. We'll start the first words. Amar bar el kitot. It was rather a group of or three separate groups who were all involved in the construction of this city and tower, which we know as uh, Migdal Bavil. We'll read what their will was and we'll finish up the story tomorrow. Ahat, one of the groups said, Omeret One was just interested in building this Migdal, this tower, and they would just sit there. They would dwell there. For what reason? Maybe they avoid a mabul in their eyes, or maybe alternatively they just want to break off from civilization. They're just interested in breaking off, having their own zone. And the other group said, let's break away from others, let's have our own domain to do avodah zarah. And the last one said, no, okay, we'll go up there and we'll wage war on heaven. It's true, if the only one was the last one, it would be ridiculous to build it in the valley if you have three groups. So the last one goes along with the plan, even though its vision is to get up to the heavens. What's the idea? Where'd we get these three separate groups? Again, the Gemara will give Dirashot with regards to the aftermath of each of them. Maharsha suggests at best, he says, Masoret, it must have been some sort of tradition. We're not even going to have Dirashot in the Pesukim, but I will remind you the Pesukim are fully and completely 
completely satum vehatum. They're, they're ambiguous. The pesukim are mysterious. They're enigmatic pesukim. Don't tell you what was happening at Migdal Bavel time. What was their will? We know their punishment. We know God's will and his uh, everlasting punishment to the people. But what was their will? So we have these three groups and in turn we'll understand the punishment of them and the lessons to be learned from them. Baruch Amen.